Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for spending time with me. I love hanging out. It's always nice to uh, have this time together, and it's going to be a great hour. Um, Dr. Alex McFarland is going to be joining me in just a minute, and then my friend uh, Patrick Albanese will be uh, in as well today. So that's going to be our next hour. So uh, special thanks to uh, Dr. Chris Bruno for coming into the studio. Now he's got to drive across town uh, to get home, and he'll be stuck in traffic. So it was very nice of him to come. He wrote a book called Paul versus James, what we've been missing in the faith and works debate. And I'll still be taking um, some entries for one of the copies I have to give away. You can just email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, and just put uh, Paul versus James in the subject line. And if you win the book, I'll get it out to you right away. And we are coming up on our our fall share next week. And I love that time because it's so much fun to hear from listeners. And it's it's like one big, gigantic surprise after another. And you are the most generous people ever. And 70 years now we've been here at Faith Radio, and it's all thanks to listeners that say, I I support you, and I I want more of this teaching and talk, and this builds me up. And I think of Proverbs twelve twenty five that says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And I hope every day when you uh, come and tune into my show, you're going to hear a kind, kind word. And in Proverbs sixteen twenty one it says, The wise in heart are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. I think uh, Alex McFarlane's got some of the most pleasant words I've heard, yet he's so solid and so strong and so firm, yet he's so gentle and kind. So let me take 60 seconds and bring him on. We're just a week away from our fall fundraiser called SHARE, and we'll be inviting you to do what that word suggests, to share in the work of this ministry. I'm Neil Stavum, manager of Faith Radio. We're fully listener-supported and rely on friends from all across our listening area to partner with us in keeping the gospel going out. Because of this support, lives are changed, families strengthened, and communities impacted. So pray about your part and plan to connect with us starting Tuesday, September 10th for Fall Share here on Faith Radio. Reminding us where our hope is found. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. This is Faith Radio. That walk-up music belongs to Dr. Alex McFarlane. Always uh, look forward to having him on. He's a religion and cultural expert, a national talk show host, speaker, author of over 20 books, and creator of the Truth for a New Generation Apologetics Conference. And we're always glad to talk to Alex. How are you, Alex? I am doing great, Bill. It's always such a blessing to speak with you. Well, thank you so much for saying that. 
I, uh, I always look forward to chatting with you. Lots going on. And a couple of things I want to just run by you. Uh, I find this interesting uh, in what's going on in, in, the, um, in the political debate. I don't want to talk politics. I just want to talk about how the media is responding to certain people. When you take uh, Vice President Mike Pence, for example, he's constantly mocked for his religion. And people will say, I don't want to hear your Bible stuff, and I certainly don't want you to make laws based on it. But then you take someone like Pete uh, uh, Buttigieg, who will spout his sort of warped Christian uh, perspective, and some people, and the same people say, oh, he's so spiritual. I love his Christianity. Yeah, I I mean, it really is a double standard, isn't it? It totally is. Uh, you know, I've got a pastor friend in Colorado who has lived um, at one time in his adult life like one house down from the Pence family and knew them for nearly two decades and just said they were among the finest people you'd ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just exceptionally fine people. And you know what? Do you remember probably a year ago when there was an editorial in USA Today, and I'm only repeating what USA Today had, but um, one op-ed writer um, was putting down Mike Pence because they said, quote, he was too white. <laughs> now, now, you know, that, that's unacceptable because can you imagine um, not, you know, uh, critiquing somebody's political ideas or their philosophy and not rational debate, but merely... Uh, marginalizing somebody because of their ethnicity. It seems like there's a word for that, uh, that uh, is something none of us would want to do, racism. But yet the left um, can marginalize and demean and denigrate uh, conservatives and Christians and males like Vice President Pence merely because of their ethnicity. Um, And so the mandate to be impartial and to view all people equally and to not be racist, that that cuts both ways. Christians, non-Christians, conservatives, non-conservatives. Um, if, if racism is wrong, then none of us should engage in it, which, of course, it is wrong, and that's why we don't. But, but you're right. I mean, he's really suffered much because of his fundamentally Christian beliefs and then secondarily because of his conservative political positions. Mm-hmm. But when the press will treat two people so differently, um, obviously there's such a double standard, and you've already talked about that. But tell, tell you two other Kavanaugh, yeah, uh, Judge Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch that mm-hmm. were both nominated to the Supreme Court because they believe they believe in a, a legal and political philosophy called natural law, which America's founders did, and really up until the last thirty years, all of our great the greater leaders believed in natural law. Uh, JFK did, although he was a Democrat, believed in natural law. And yet, uh, here in this day and age, I mean, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch uh, wasn't because of any anything else other than their, their belief in natural law, which made them constitutionalists, which made them believe that all people, including the unborn, have the natural right, the right to life. Mm-hmm. All of the the brouhaha regarding both of their confirmations to the bench of the Supreme Court was because liberal um, people know, you know, if you believe in objective morality, 
you're going to know that the murder of the unborn is wrong. And that's why all the noise about both of their confirmations. Mm -hmm. Well, just to continue on that discussion, the mayor, Pete Buttigieg, was saying that life begins at breath. So meaning abortion is fine because you haven't taken a breath yet. So therefore, life hasn't begun, which is, again, completely insane. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, um, when I spoke at um, University of Kentucky Medical School at Louisville a few months ago, among some of the people that I met there, it was my honor to meet some of the secular students for life. Because uh, really, biological life uh, is defined in a number of ways, but four criteria they're looking for. They're looking for a, a unique DNA print. They're looking for metabolism, uh, cell replication, and cell growth. So DNA, metabolism, cell replication, and cell growth. Well, you've got all four of those at conception. Mm. So, uh, you know, it, they um, leftist political candidates need to leave science to... Uh, those who speak about it with accuracy. And, you know, I would just say this, um, those of us that have studied uh, moral theory and philosophy and not only philosophy and, and morality and theology, but how it all, the amalgam that makes up our government. And really, for two centuries plus, you know, since the uh, writing of the Constitution in 1787 and its eventual ratification by about 1789, you know, our whole culture, as you know, Bill, was based on belief in objective moral truth. Morality is not fluid, mm -hmm. but it's objective. And do, do you know that was why, why slavery could be abolished? That was why the Republican Party was successful at uh, implementing the, the uh, uh, Emancipation Proclamation and Really, we got slavery abolished because of natural law. We recognize that, you know, humans are uh, unequivocally human beings, uh, and it, it was unlawful to contrive that one subset of the culture was less than human. And, and nowadays, we need to remind people that, look, a, a subset of the society, the unborn, they're not less than human. Their humanity begins at the moment of conception, just like those four criteria, metabolism, DNA, cell replica replication, and cell growth. So, listen, that's semantics. To say life begins at breath, that's, that's merely a semantical way to try to placate a constituency and assuage a guilty conscience. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest. We're going to take a very uh, short break, and when we come back, lots more with Alex. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. Go to alexmcfarland.com to learn more about Alex and his many books and his great thinking and his uh, uh, good-looking face. You can see it all at his website, alexmcfarland.com. So, now you're delusional, Bill. Uh, I'm a little bit. Yeah, I get that. All right. Yeah, thanks. 
Uh, yesterday we had a discussion which uh, got interesting, and I, I want to continue it with you because you're kind of a complete expert on this. Because um, right here at the University of Northwestern, all the professors and staff, they teach from a purely biblical worldview. And, but as we get into the idea that there is uh, a biblical worldview, and then there's also what some people would say a Christian worldview, but with a complete lack of unity in Christianity today, when Pete Buttigieg says, my Christian worldview is, well, that doesn't have God's stamp of approval, does it? No, it doesn't. You know, a couple of months ago, um, um, uh, Chelsea Clinton was defending her belief in abortion, and she said, this was probably in early July, and she said, the Bible as I read it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Not. And so, you know, I, w- I would say a couple of things. Um, Christianity Today, a few years ago, David Neff, a writer for Christianity Today, he said, uh, and this was, you know, actually spoken several years ago, but he said, gone is the ability to think Christianly in common mm-hmm. about almost any subject. Why is that? Why? Um, and I'm not. I'm not talking about salvation. Uh, you know, all who have repented of their sin and turned to Jesus, and we believe Jesus is the Son of God. And on the cross, He paid for our sins. And whosoever will may come. We put our faith in Christ and what He did on the cross. We can be forgiven. And so, uh, I'm not. I'm not questioning whether or not you know equally good godly people that differ on other issues are not saved. But let, let's just talk about. Not only salvation, but what often is called Christian life and practice, faith and practice. Why do we so disagree? Well, I think um, there's, for one thing, Bill, uh, biblical illiteracy. A lot of people don't know what the Bible says about different topics. But the other thing is maybe lack of biblical authority. And maybe people, you know, like Chelsea Clinton or Maybe people like uh, you know Barack Obama. They they grew up sitting under preaching and and ministers that were you know selective, pick and choose what they did believe or didn't believe. And so the layperson who's not really heard consistent Bible teaching like you all so wonderfully present on the Faith Radio Network. That's why folks support Faith Radio because they're they're giving people the spiritual nutrition, the biblical solid truth that every human heart so desperately needs. But, you know, people, you know, I can say this, Bill, because I grew up in a liberal Presbyterian church, and I got some truth. I did get some truth. But also, and this was in the late 70s, early 80s, I was a teenager and then a college student. You know, I got a, a, a mishmash, a, a, you know, round robin of s- some biblical truth and a lot of you know, liberal theology and liberal philosophy. And it really wasn't until I was in college and I started going to a Bible study and then I began to hear verse-by-verse teaching that affirmed the Word of God. And then I began to read, you know, Chuck Colson and Billy Graham and Josh McDowell and Norm Geisler and Francis Schaeffer and a lot of great, you know, a name some of your listeners will know David Noble, who wrote a book called Understanding the Times. And then I discovered C.S. Lewis and a lot of writers and found my way back to, you know, Augustine and Aquinas and um, all in all reading the Word of God. And I began to have a truly biblical worldview. And I began to understand the authority of Scripture that touches all areas of life and belief. 
And so people like Chelsea Clinton, who glibly say, well, the Bible as I read it, see, none of us are free to read the Bible that way. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're not free to impose our assumptions onto Scripture. What the design is, is that we draw out the meaning of Scripture, and Scripture changes us. We don't change Scripture. Scripture is supposed to amend our lives. We don't amend Scripture to suit our biases or deviant behaviors. All right, and we go to uh, Galatians, where Paul talks about uh, deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Yeah. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Well, Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 15, says um, that the church is to, quote, stand firm and hold fast. One translation said the traditions that you were taught, whether by word or letter from us, hold fast the traditions of God's word. And the word there in the Greek is a very interesting word. It's it's a word called paradosis. And it's not opinion, but revelation. And it's not preferences, but it's doctrine. And things like that, that Jesus is the Son of God. He shed his blood to wash our sin away. Uh, God will judge all people and the saved will be with Christ in heaven, and those that rejected Jesus will be lost. There's a real heaven and a real hell. Uh, marriage is, uh, by, by nature and biology and the decree of God, marriage is between a man and a woman. All these things are not just mere matters of um, arbitrary social accident. You know, these things that we are to proclaim, defend, hold fast to, these are the doctrines revealed by God, and not only uh, preached and taught, but they're known on every human heart. Um, Bill, I think one of the most sobering verses is in uh, Romans, where it says man is without excuse because we um, suppressed truth that we really honestly did know. Mm -hmm. You, you, You know who knows that abortion is wrong? all of the pro-choice defenders of abortion, mm-hmm. deep in their soul, they know it's wrong. And see, that's what's scary, to stand before God one day and to to be guilty of having suppressed truth that you really did know. Mm-hmm. And I was talking uh, about this Barna Group study. They did a survey, asked questions about the Bible, determined if people truly believed what the Bible said, and Alex, the results were pretty startling. Only 4% did. And profess- wow. pro- professing Christians didn't do much better. So if Christians are not believing what the Bible says in unity, um, it's going to be pretty hard for the body of Christ to be having, um, you know, this, this uh, authentic Christian worldview. They can have a biblical worldview, um, and that is, is, the, is the worldview I live with. Um, but as far as yeah. the Christian worldview, there's a lot of people saying, hey, I'm a Christian, and this is my worldview, this is what I believe, and it's just, it's not Christian at all. Yeah, well, for real. And, and you know, the word there, um, the word apostasy, we, we often talk about, you know, when uh, it talks about being of an apostate mind, but the word apostasy, which is, you know, generally connotes having turned away from truth, 
Uh, it's it's a word for uh, riot or anarchy. I mean, we we think about a time of chaos and just you know uh, a brawl in the streets, uh, a riot. Well, we live in a time, Bill, that's almost like theological anarchy. It's it's almost mm-hmm. like we're in a time of kind of theological anarchy because there are a lot of people that name the name of Christ, whether or not they're really born again, only God knows. But um, I would encourage everybody as they pray, pray for a restoration of biblical authority within the professing church. It's a great prayer. Um, I love I love the Word of God. I believe compelling lines of evidence show that this is God's Word and it is to be believed. But one of my favorite verses, and you're, you're so gracious to let me quote it on your show sometimes, was Psalm 119, verse 93. I love this verse. It says, I will never forget thy words, for through them I found life. Hmm. Why do we believe the Word? We yield to the Word. Uh, John 10, 35, Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. So, I mean, think about it. Our Lord and Savior, the only man that ever rose from the dead, Jesus uh, had a very high view of Scripture. He said it, Scripture cannot be broken. So yeah. the, the church of the 21st century had better make sure they've got a view of Scripture uh, in harmony with that of Christ and not in opposition to it. Alex, you're just making me think of the movie The Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston, which was you know filmed a long, long time ago. But Cecil B. DeMille, who directed that film, who was not a Christian, he mm. said, you can't break the Ten Commandments. You can only break yourself against them. Oh, wow. That's that's profound. I kind of think so, and too. That, that's, you know, I love that movie. And and I know I know that um, the, you know, special effects, if they did it now, the special effects would be different. I bet I've seen the Ten Commandments. How many times have you seen that movie, Bill? Oh, at least 15 well, yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, Liberty University, where I went to school, uh, I had a wonderful professor named Harold Wilmington, and he wrote a, a very well-known book. No doubt some of your listeners have this big green book called Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. And uh, he told me this story. I went in there one day. I said, Dr. Wilmington, what, what are you doing? And he said, listen. He said, my phone rang, and it was Charlton Heston. <laughs> and This was in probably the early, early, early 90s. And Charlton Heston was doing this documentary series of, of about the Bible. And some of you might remember seeing him on TV, Charlton Heston. He was getting older, but he went to the Middle East, and you know he did all this you know documentary on the lands of the Bible. And he called up Harold Wilmington and asked, look, would you look it over, be a technical advisor, and make sure I've got my facts right? And uh, Dr. Wilmington's secretary said, who is it? And Dr. Wilmington whispered and says, I've got Moses on the phone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, yeah. um, I, I, to this day, I appreciate Charlton Heston, and I sure do love uh, the movie that he so famously yeah. was in. I did a radio show in Chicago, and the guest after me was Charlton Heston, so he walked up to the studio window while I was on the air. Oh, man. I don't think I did very good that day <laughs> after he walked up. Alex, thanks so much for coming on and doing the show. Always. Hey, God bless you, Bill, and God bless everybody. And pray for our nation. Well, indeed. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You go to alexmcfarland.com. Learn more about Alex and all of his wonderful books and writings. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back uh, in about 90 seconds with my friend Patrick Albanese. Faith Radio. 
So nice to have Dr. Alex McFarlane on the show. I so appreciate him as a regular contributor. If you've not been to his website, you really should go. And it's a good idea to just see a picture of this uh, man of faith. And he's written a whole bunch of books, and you can certainly look over his blog. He offers lots of uh, writings for free, and he's got a lot of resources. He's also got about 20 books he's written. And he's just a a man of faith who just uh, loves the Lord. And I think he's on the road nearly every weekend. And he's uh, on planes and presenting the gospel to groups all around the country. And he just is a tireless uh, guy. And I just so appreciate him. And he's just so always so gracious and kind uh, when he comes on the show. So it's really, really nice. And just again, I want to remind all of us that when we uh, come back to work on Monday, it will be business as usual, but then Tuesday we're going to start our fall share fundraiser. And it's because of listeners like you, and here I'm going to start fussing over you, uh, that you keep our mission of Faith Radio um, alive. And now in its 70th year, we... uh, we promise uh, with God's help that we'll do our best to serve him and also serve you because we want to equip you in God's word. We want to train you. We want to be a discipler of you. We want to be a friend. We want to be a companion. We want to we want to be alongside you as you're headed in the car to go meet a friend, to talk to him about Jesus or whatever. You've got so many opportunities to share your faith, and we just want to be with you alongside that. Let's take a break and then bring on Patrick. Thank you for listening to Faith Radio, where you can find relevant Bible preaching and family-focused teaching to help you grow in your faith. Our mission is to lead people to Christ and nurture believers in their faith through Christ-centered media. Find out more about your favorite programs and features and find helpful articles on relevant topics such as marriage and family, finances, health and wellness, and spiritual growth, all at MyFaithRadio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle for any in the middle, in trouble or in pain. With the thoughts you'd be thinking You could be another Lincoln If you only had a brain Welcome back to the show. You know, it is Friday, and usually on on Mondays I lead off with my friend Patrick Albanese, but it just so happened because Monday was a holiday, I thought we will talk to him now. All right, so he is my friend. pickup has, has been delayed a couple of days as well. What has been delayed? Garbage pickup has been delayed a couple oh. of days as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm okay. I mean, I I you know, I'm a f- I try to stay healthy. I try to be a fitness guy and uh, I hit the gym in the morning and uh, I was there t- today. What no time? exception. What time? Uh 5 o'clock. Okay. 8. You arrive and, at 5 a.m. Uh, Good for you. 5 a.m. Yeah. And today was the day I finally saw my abs. 
Yeah, it's amazing. They they brought in an ultrasound machine. <laughs> and the new technology is unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, I highly recommend if your gym has one of those, check it out. You'll be like, I am ripped. Yeah. Yep. We just need an ultrasound machine. Just need, yeah, 3D. I recommend the 3D yeah. ultrasound machine. Yeah. Is certainly better. 4D if they got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a piece of news you don't read every day. Scientists have discovered that monkeys can tell you to shut up in linguistic, uh, in a linguistic breakthrough. So that sells it for me. I'm never going to the zoo again. Well, you know something, I, 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 I think in the way that they discovered it, if you read deeply into the article, is that when the scientists tried to survey the monkeys, the monkeys said, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people do, do not like surveys. I don't, how do you do surveys well? I, I don't understand. You know, I, I can't go to the, to the big box home store. And sometimes I go in there just to buy like a paintbrush, you know, a, a 69 cent foam two inch brush because I got to paint a window frame. And they'd be like, there's a survey at the bottom. And if you fill it out, you could win $2,500 worth of stuff. I go, that's a lot of paintbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I said, A, I never win. And, I, you know, I have to ask all these questions. And, you know, people, I would like to do, I'd like to have a survey for survey takers. So this is a survey. And it's, I'd like you to fill it out and let me know how I did in conducting the survey. Yeah. Because just, it's, we're surveying Every darn thing. Every, it's like, how was your transaction? Uh, I gave you a dollar. You gave me 27 cents back. I got my paintbrush. I know. Pretty happy right now. <laughs> or or you buy a cup of coffee for $1.86 and they hand you the coffee and then they hand you a receipt roughly the size of the Magna Carta because yeah. it just keeps going and going. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to fill out a, uh, a survey about how well they've done. And I think they've taken this to an extreme, not to mention wasting a lot of paper. Yeah, I, I it, it's like would it would it be quicker if I just put a dollar in the tip jar? Does that let you know how you did? <laughs> Here's a buck. I think that well. might make you happier as well. Yeah, uh, it's it is kind of because what is there is one place they give you oh I can't it's like a Target or you know one of the one of the more popular stores where by the time you walk out there it is about a six foot I think I measured once I had six feet of receipts. Yeah. And I say, oh, these are coupons. What am I supposed to do with these? I don't even, you know, well, you know, we've tracked your, your shopping habits. We know the things you buy. I said, well, now that's even more disturbing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, I think I was telling you, my, my wife and I were having this discussion in the house. I said, it just feels like we're always being spied on. And, and then, uh, my Alexa just laughed out loud. Just <laughs> laughed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, uh, we are being we are being spied on. Let's face it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. As far as surveys go and polls, do you trust polls? I mean, after the 2016 presidential election, I've kind of ignored polls. I ignore them, and I'm always, you know, even with surveys, I, I well, my question is always, I need to see the questions. How did you frame it? What yeah. did you ask? Right. You know, uh, if you say to people, "Hey, taking a survey, uh, would you like free health care? Do you think that'd be a good idea?" Yeah, I think that would be cool. And so the next thing you know, they report the results of this uh, survey or this poll. And uh, they say, well, 72% of the people want free health care. You go, well, you just asked them. You didn't say, you know, do you think it's doable? You just said, would you like it? Yeah, I'd like a pony. <laughs> I'd like a lot of things. Yeah. I got, I got a call from during the midterms. And 
this guy just says, oh, I'm just polling, you know, how things are doing. Hey, did you hear, how do you feel about so-and-so candidate said he's going to cut all the funding to schools? And I said, um, did he say that? He says, yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just reading the questions, sir. <laughs> so what I would actually need to know, did he say that? Because the way you ask that question is I could say I'm outraged and then a commercial is going to come out saying everybody's mad at this congressperson. Right. I said, but I, did he say it? He's, and he was honest. He says, I don't know. Good for <laughs> him. Yeah. Three, three more questions in where I just kept, it was like, oh, did he say that one too? Is that what, wait, what was that? In, is, there an, is that out of context? I have no idea, sir. Eventually the guy hung up on me. Oh, funny. <laughs> I'm like, this is how you get rid of solicitors. Just don't give them what they want. Yeah. Well, when you think about, you know, you said healthcare, and and a lot of people on the left campaigning say it's a basic human right. Isn't shelter? Isn't food? I mean, where Every, do we draw the line? Well, you know, I, I've always understood them to basic human rights to be something that is available to you, not at the expense of somebody else. In other words, you know, my my freedoms should not infringe upon your freedoms. And that's, I guess, a very rough way of looking at it. So if you say, well, healthcare should be a right, and then the next question is, how do you pay for it? Well, we're going to tax other people. We're going to take money from other people to buy it for you. It's like, well, that's infringing on their freedoms. And I don't care what answer you, you can say. Well, they have enough money or, you know, sometimes you, you, there's a point you've made enough money. I think Obama said uh, we now know where that line is, by the way, since he bought a $15 million home. Evidently, $15 million falls Underneath, you've made too much money. <laughs> Just, uh, it's, I think you and I are safe, aren't we? I think we are. We might even combine. We could pool our money right now. Yeah. And still be yeah. quite a few million shy, actually. Uh, but uh, so you're, you're infringing on other people's freedoms by trying to provide something for somebody else. So how can that be? How can it be a right if you say, well, in order to do this, I have to, other people are going to have to labor, mm -hmm. are going to have to work hard to generate the tax revenue to pay for that for you. And so if that's the case, well, then it maybe isn't a human right. It's a nice thing. It would be neat to have, wouldn't it? But I haven't seen, you know, these really practical ways of, of paying for it. Uh, these Some of these countries that do it, uh, they have these long waiting lists, and I don't think Americans are big on the waiting list. You know, no, they're not. I was in line for a doorbuster sale once, and that was only 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question, so which means you can give me a rhetorical answer. If you're out on the campaign trail and you are not getting your story straight from from speech to speech, does that matter if the general point is intact? Uh, well, is the general point intact? Why are you not getting the details correct? Well, because I mean, it I, maybe happened years ago and maybe there's some embellishment. Maybe there is... Uh, you don't have a good memory? Okay. Well, you and I come from the school of thoughtlessness. <laughs> <laughs> that would say, mm -hmm. we would we would, we would have a precursor to the statement. We'd say, I might be foggy on the details here because it's been a few years. Yes. So when I see these politicians, you know, a thing I see them do a lot is, A, they like to inject themselves into every conversation like, I feel your pain. Oh, right. do I do I ever feel your pain? Yeah, sure. I have 17 houses. And yes, I, I know, like you, what it's like to, to live on a budget. In fact, just last week, we had to get rid of the butler's maid. We had to drop her down to three days a week, uh -huh. uh, you know, 
and uh, we pulled her Ferrari. Yeah. So now she's just driving the 7 Series, um, but that's the butler's car. So, yeah, yeah they, they always try to make it sound like I'm feeling your pain, and yes. so they inject themselves in, into these things. And I don't understand why you can't just say the truth. Why can't you say, you know, either either you're foggy on the details or uh, you don't have to say, gosh, I understand exactly what it's like to be a victim of whatever it is somebody's talking about. Why can't you just say, I, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. That must, that must be hard. Yeah, I would uh, just I would relate to that guy. I mean, think about it. Trump is a billionaire, but he talks like a common man and relates to the common people. But he doesn't go around saying things. Oh, I know what it's like not to pay the bills. Right. But Joe Biden goes goes out the other day and he said something about oh man, student loans. Are you kidding me? Just swamped with student loans. It's like first off, Joe, you were you were there at the founding of Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, what did what what was tuition? A hundred dollars? I I don't. He said, "What student loans are you talking right. about?" Yeah, you, you could, but he had to feel the pain. It's like you're a very wealthy man. You're not. You don't feel the pain. Why can't you just say that's got to be hard? Yeah, wish they would. Yeah, Patrick Albanese is my guest. We're gonna take a little break, and we come back. Lots more. show patrick albanese is my friend and guest on our skype line you normally he's uh mondays at three but we snuck him in today to wrap out our show so thank you once again patrick for uh joining up on today's program uh, nice i could, I could end you. up bookending your week yes you could <laughs> technically yes indeed technically. yeah uh, yeah your weekend yeah yeah and i know this is a difficult week for you you've lost your brother-in-law this week so my condolences for that yeah, young man. Uh, but uh, my my wife's uh, siblings, uh, and Rebecca knows her her family. There, um, she has four siblings, all with a form of muscular dystrophy. Her mm -hmm. father had it as well, and uh, so uh, her brother Aaron, um, a couple months shy of his forty first birthday. It, uh, you know, he's just it just the debilitation over the years just got worse and worse, and uh, uh, his liver failed this week, and uh, we lost him just. Yeah. Uh, Two days ago. Yeah, I'm very, very sorry. Um, it, it's a time of life that is, it's hard to uh, process. And it's, uh, if you're not a person of faith, it's especially hard to process. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I, I fortunately a, it's a family of faith. So that's good. 
Yeah, and I, I had an interesting, you know, uh, seeing his mother, and I, I lost my brother uh, a number of years ago, uh, and I saw what my mom went through, it's, it's, and it's rough. And you're always reminded, you know, especially uh, parents never want to bury a child because it's always their child. And and I, I, I did have this somewhat consoling thought for the, for the moment anyway that that's how God looks at us. We are always his child. Mm-hmm. And the loss that a mother and a father feel when they lose a child is no different than, than, you know, how God feels towards us when, when we're not with him. It's like, I wish you were with me. I wish you were, uh, you know, it's, it's, I remember back in my, my new age days, they would say that the, the only sin is separation from God or a sense of separation from God, because you can't really be separated from God. He's always there. And uh, as wacky as some of the things they believed, I, I realize, I don't know if I'd put that in a sin category, but I really liked the thought of it that, you know, we we distance ourselves from God, but he's still there. Mm-hmm. He's right there. Yeah. It's like he hasn't gone anywhere. You know, we're the ones that do the distancing and we just can't see him. He's right there, you know, over the shoulder saying, whenever you're ready, tag me. I'm in. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there's... Um... You know, just in a couple of other things I wanted to process with you, that, of course, being the most difficult one to talk about. But there's also so much pain and suffering in our world that if we don't, if we don't put our hope and faith in Christ, there, it, it's almost inconceivable when you look at the news and you see what's going on in the Bahamas, for example. I mean, those families and those homes, it's just amazing, uh, the devastation there. It, it really is. And... You know, I know that I think we we get we can get wrapped up in like, oh, it's climate change or it's this that's causing because we've never had this kind of damage before. But we've a never had this kind of population before and so many people living in so many areas and there's so much more to damage. You know, we we build and we build and we build and then we see, wow, oh, my gosh, this devastation. Uh, it's just it's just heartbreaking. And uh, I, I just don't know, you know. I, I, in fact, I think it was Marianne Williamson actually put out a tweet the other day, and it was the es- essentially a thoughts and prayers to the people there, which I thought was wonderful. And then she pulled the tweet down. Mm. And I, I, I think that it was she caught some pressure from the left flank that said, you know, we don't do the thoughts and prayers things. We don't like it for the gun violence. But in times like this, isn't that all? sometimes it's all you can offer? You know, thoughts and prayers. And then you help where you can. That's my go-to, by the way. That's the first thing I do is prayers and thoughts. But that's the the very first place I go is to pray. You know what? I think you and I have had this discussion, but we haven't had it on the air. But I, I had this thing that I realized, you know, how you always say, uh, you know, you get an email or a phone call or whatever it is. And somebody says, you know, um, you know, please pray for Susie. And my new attitude is, Drop and do it there. And, and, and it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be formal. It's like, God, please, please be with Susie and with the family and with anybody who you, you can be done in 10 seconds. And we, we sometimes put these things on our to-do list. Yeah. Okay. Later when I'm doing my prayers, I'll get around. I got to remember to pray for Susie. It's like, do it right then. And, and like you said, that's your default go-to position at the drop of, at the instant that you hear the news, you say, here's a prayer. Let's go. Yeah. And then out of, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 27, it says, he did this so that they would look for him and perhaps find him. Um, 
though he is not far from any one of us. So, you know, things do happen in life, and God will use those occasions to draw them, draw people to himself. And he is not far from anyone who is suffering and in the middle of turmoil. Yeah, it's 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 almost as if he said, um, I can't promise you a life of no pain, but I can promise you that I will always be there for you. Right. It's almost as if, isn't it? Well, it's a guarantee. In this world, you exactly. will have suffering. Yeah. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, it, and uh, I, as, I, as I read Scripture, Patrick, I mean, practically every page is a suffering person writing to other suffering people. Uh, yeah, and, and of course, you know, you and I are the ones that fold at the... Uh, uh, you know, the first sign of a hangnail saying, that's it, I'm out. Right. <laughs> right. I guess nobody cares. <laughs> right. You know, dig it's, your uh, own grave and save. Yeah. You're going, you know, that, that Job, he's got nothing on me. <laughs> Have you seen this thing? Right. Look at this thing. It's on my left thumb. Could be infected. It could get infected if it isn't already infected. And uh, who knows if it's not going to spread to another finger. <laughs> Just don't know. <laughs> I know. It, it, and it, the people that suffered in the Bible, they're amazing stories. Uh, and at times they show weakness and then they get strength. Uh, but, um, I, I find that maybe the easier and more comfortable life gets for us. We find that it's the smallest thing that creates the most amount of discomfort. It's almost as if as a human being, you have this, this capacity for discomfort and outrage over things in life. And it has to be spent no matter what it is spent on. And so people react these days, you know, that, that, that suffer through famines. They're like, can you believe we're out of mac and cheese? Can you believe it? I just, I was really looking forward to mac and cheese. Now I got to eat that steak. I didn't want, you know, but they'll have, they'll have kind of that outrage in there. It's almost as if the outrage meter has to go off. Um, and it has to, it, it has to peg it at, you know, it has to redline. And so we pick small things um, to get upset about because we almost like we have it so good that we say, well, I must be upset about something. And, and you know, my theory is sometimes we, we, on a subconscious level, we're trying to say to God, don't send any of the bad stuff my way. Can't you see? I got my hands full here with this Mac and cheese problem. <laughs> <laughs> Please God, go like, go easy. Yeah. yeah. I think we're always trying to do some kind of uh, bargaining with God in some capacity. I mean, we, we know that our lives are full and that there's a lot on our plate and we think we can't handle anything else. And, you know, Paul at one point said, I, I can't handle this. You know, if not for God's strength, I got nothing. Yeah. He had a, he had a setback or two. <laughs> he had a couple. From what I could couple. tell, from what I read, you know, yeah. so I was well, going to Paul for sure. Well, Patrick, I appreciate you uh, doing the show. It's always nice to uh, get my week started with you on Mondays, but... It's kind of fun to wrap up the week uh, with you today. And, you know, I like to give advice. And so uh, I, I would like to say, you know, an old adage, it's a classic, live every day as if it's your last. Now, if you happen to be a mayfly who lives 24 hours, really sorry about that advice. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids had a, a good first week of school? They, yes, they did. Good. They did. Yeah. And uh, the lunchbox, the love notes are uh, back in full swing. Season two is up and running. Yeah. And so far, the reports have been good. The reviews are, are in. The kids are liking so far, them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and my Facebook friends uh, seem to love them, too. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. A little tip from Patrick. Put a little personal handwritten note in your kid's lunch. They'll forever love it. 
Yep, I call it thought thought for food. I love it. I love it. All right, my friend, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you Monday. Thanks. Talk to you then. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest, my friend and colleague from prestigious West Des Moines. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for listening and uh, supporting Faith Radio. We've, of course, started our big fall share starting next Tuesday, which we're very excited about. As I think about uh, the weekend, and I hope you get rest, and I hope you find lots of time to enjoy and spend time with the Lord. I like 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So uh, I pray that you have a great weekend, and I pray that you stay safe. And uh, I will see you on Monday as you lay your head on the pillow tonight. I just remember God's writing his fantastic story in your life. So that wraps up the show. It's time to ring the bell. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.